Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So let me ask you a question. How do you define success? If I asked a dozen people what success looks like to them, I'm pretty confident that I would get a dozen different answers because Americans differ greatly in how they perceive and define success. Populous and Gallup did a survey on Americans' perception of success. It's a really interesting read. The results showed that the average personal success score was 68 on a 100-point scale. Now, this involved many different factors like education, relationships, character, finance, health. 68 of 100. Not quite three-quarters of the respondents considered themselves successful. Maybe that surprises you, maybe not. But what I found equally interesting is that when they compared personal success with society's view of success, the score was only 31. Interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, if I thought of my own personal ideas of success, I would score much higher compared to how society defines success. In the workforce arena specifically, because quite frankly, that's where people go when they think of success, about 65% of Americans are satisfied with their jobs, while only 20% of them are passionate about what they do for a living. So they're satisfied, but they're not passionate in their jobs. So again, I ask you, how do you define success? Well, let's look at how Ralph Waldo Emerson defined it in his famous poem titled, What is Success? He wrote, to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the approval of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to give of oneself, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to have played and laughed with enthusiasm and sung with exultation, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. I get emotional every time I read it. It's just it's spot on. It makes me think of the quote, live according to your legacy and not your resume. The question is, how do you want to make a difference and impact the world? I met a guy about five years ago or so at a professional seminar, and I was intrigued by his message and his character, and I went to talk with him afterwards. And I invited him to EIG for a more in-depth meet and greet and to learn more about what he does, and we just hit it off immediately. Uh, we've gone on to work together on some projects, and to me, he walks and talks success just by the way he impacts people for the good. And he is my first guest today. So welcome to the show today, Chuck Zamora, president of the Zamora Group International. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I am so glad that you're here. This uh, is actually the second time you've done our radio show. The first was the Money Sense Show with Karen. 
And today we're going to be talking more about the work that you do with nonprofits. I mentioned that we've worked together on some projects, and one of them was when EIG sponsored a couple of schools a few years ago where you did your tools of life learning training for a group of high school high-achieving students. And uh, it's a great program that you offer, in addition to other sales and leadership training to for-profit and nonprofit organizations in and around the city. So... Tell us about Chuck. Help others to see uh, what I see. You know, to tell us some of the things that you do and also how you define success. Well, I, I think that there's a, an interesting sort of um, progression. I started my work life as an educator. I, um, I, have, um, I have a degree in psychology and I have a degree in education. And what happened with me was... I was in grad school um, doing a, a, a master's degree in education, and one day I was walking down the hall, and there was a there was a poster, and the poster said "Teach in Australia." Those interested go to SS one hundred and nine at four o'clock for an information session by Dr. Claire Peterson, and I thought, well, that sounds interesting, so I. I went, and to make a long story short, they basically said, we will fly you down there at our expense. We will give you residency visas, and you can work tax-free for two years. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) So so it was kind of like finish my degree or go on on an adventure, and I went on an adventure. So I taught school, and um, I taught school for about seven years. Um, and then I was taken out of the classroom, and I spent three years traveling the state of Queensland in Australia, traveling, traveling the state of Queensland, teaching teachers. And then I decided to opt out of education, and I took on a job in sales. I didn't know I was going to be good at it, but I thought I would give it a shot. And in my first two years, I won two national sales contests, became a sales manager. From there, I became the uh, ended up as a regional vice president. And then they offered me the job as the Asia-Pacific Regional Training Director. And when I shared that with my wife, she, she said, if they think you're that good, and then she looked at me like, I don't think you're that good, but <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if they think you're that good, why would you do all that for them? Why don't you just set up your own training company? And I quit the next day. Mm. And 34 years ago, I set this company up. And um, humble beginnings, I... Like started with one little desk and virtually nothing, and uh, built it to a nationally recognized training company across Australia. And it has been very, very wonderful to work in the corporate world. But I, I did an amazing research project years ago dealing with what made great leaders great leaders. And I did that by interviewing people that I found in the business world who were great leaders. And they had, they basically had four things in common, all of these leaders. And they were, they were great communicators. They had a really good attitude and a healthy self-image. They knew how to set and achieve goals. And they had the courage of their convictions. And I will tell you, I believe that no matter what else people can tell me is a key, they will be a subset of one of those four. And so Citibank hired me to write a program called Leadership Through Personal Power and take it across the country for all of their emerging leaders. And I did that. 
And then you know what happened, Jill? Every time I would run that program, someone would come to me and go, I've got a daughter in grade 11 that needs to hear this. I have a son in high school that needs to hear this. And then one day this lady walked up to me, pointed a finger at me, and she said, you need to be doing this with kids. And it was the first time that I just knew God was talking to me and that I had to do this with kids. Make a long story short, I wrote a program called The Tools of Life and Leadership for High School Kids. And I will tell you with great pride, I have worked on two continents, three countries, and I have reached just over 94,000 high school kids. I see that as your sweet spot, Chuck. I mean, you, you are so accomplished and you have such great things to teach, but working with tomorrow's leaders, you know, these, these kids, and really that's where EIG uh, partnered with you. you sure. know, we sponsored some schools. I've been through your, your tools of learning classes. Brought my daughter to it, actually. I mean, it's really, really great work. And you can see how you take this definition of success and apply it to your classes. Well, what I think is really important is that I, I open it with the Emerson poem. And at the end, he says, to know even one life breathed easier because you lived, this is to have succeeded. And what I said to the kids is, did you notice he didn't say, and you need to drive a Lexus? Okay, you don't have to have a Jag or a Rolls Royce. And I make them write this down. And it's really important, to me it is. I make them write down, success is not what you have. Success is who you are. And true success can only be measured when you strip the possessions away. Mm. Because then you're left with the character, the ethics, and the integrity of the human being. And that's where success has to be measured. Because if it was just dollars, Bernie Madoff would be incredibly successful. If it was just dollars, El Chapo would be incredibly successful. And both were, well, one's passed away, but both were or are evil men who abused and used people for their own gratification. Mm. Success is not what you have. Success is who you are. Mm. And true success can only be measured when you remove those things and look at the character, the ethics, and the integrity of the human being. Mm, mm, mm. So well said. Now you guys can see why I like this man. And the, the skill that he has to work with others, right? So when you know you have a skill that you can offer a group of people that'll help in some way, anyway, you want to jump right in, right? That's what this collaborative piece that we, that we like to talk about comes from. Not just with one nonprofit working together with another nonprofit, which is great, of course, but also for a for-profit organization helping a nonprofit, which is great as well. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, Chuck is going to tell us how he offers his skills and services to a nonprofit in a wonderful way. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Chuck Zamora from the Zamora Group International. And we're welcoming to the conversation today Ken Ginlack, CEO of Serenity Inns, and Jason Dobson, Program Director. Serenity Inns provides quality housing and supportive health, educational, and vocational services for people seeking to move from addiction and homelessness 
to continued recovery and independent living. Welcome to the conversation today, Ken and Jason. Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us. You're welcome. So why don't we start by having you both tell us how you got to Serenity Inns and what drives you to do the work you do, which ultimately makes a great impact on the people that you serve. Well, when I was first introduced to Serenity Inns in 2007, and I was actually in treatment myself, and uh, one of the counselors there used to stop by the treatment facility, and he talked about Serenity Inns and how great of a place it was. However, you know, after that, when I started my recovery process, I did not hear too much more about Serenity Inns, got into recovery, and uh, as I started to go back to school and work on my degree and work on becoming a substance use disorder counselor, Serenity Inns popped back up, and I actually had done some work with Jason. I was working in the emergency room one time, and um, I had a client there that was suffering from alcohol addiction, and he was in bad shape, and I actually gave Jason a call at Serenity Inns, and he came and picked him up from the hospital after he was released, and he started his treatment process. I ran into that guy maybe last year at a car wash, and he thanked me so much for actually making that connection. And he, he actually showed me his arms, and, and he, he said, I got goosebumps. And he showed me the goosebumps, and he, he called his wife, and he was like, he's here, he's here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he started to say, you know, um, thank you so much. And, and, you know, he paid for my car wash. He wanted to keep in contact with me. And so that pretty much let me know that Serenity Ants was still doing the great work that they do. Also, I believe in my professional career that I was being prepared for the opportunity to work at Serenity Inns. I started out working in the field at detox, and I was actually checking individuals in, individuals they found on, on the street that was suffering with addiction. And I was cleaning up, doing the grunt work, um, making sure they, they bathe. And so that's where I really started my career in substance use disorder. And as I moved along, I became um, a full-time counselor in the residential treatment, working with a lot of guys from DOC, um, Department of Corrections. And I started working with that population, and, and I really love it. I, I loved it because those were the guys that did not want to be in treatment. Mm. And so when they left or, or when they came in, it was my job to get them some hope and some faith Right, and so that was a, a a great experience for me because um, guys gravitated towards me. Yeah, you know, you were a uh, a hope dealer. Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's and, wonderful. Well, we can see why you're doing what you do. You know, you take your experiences and you take that into a, a next level where you're offering your skill set to the people that that. Uh, uh, maybe you walked alongside at one point, and now you're saying, you know, here, I've been there, done that, and now look where I am today. Look what you can accomplish when you set your goals on something. It's wonderful. Jason, tell us about you. So, um, you know, prior to my career at Serenity Inn, I was a mailman for 14 years. I can remember I delivered mail to Serenity Inn for, I've been on those stairs hundreds of times delivering their mail. and never knew what the place was. 
and all along, you know, I was uh, suffering from my own addiction. And I, long story short, I ended up losing my job at the post office, lost everything I had, became homeless, and I was living at a homeless shelter, uh, the rescue mission. And I can remember calling places for treatment, and at that time, my insurance that I had would no longer pay for me to go to treatment. They told me I was hopeless. Mm. So um, by the grace of God, I met someone who knew what Serenity Inn was at that time, and you did not require insurance to be there. The only provider in the Milwaukee area where you didn't require insurance to receive services. So I got to those steps, and I'm like, wait, I know what this place is, but I never knew what, it, what the, they did there. So I am a recipient of Serenity Inn services back in 2011. So I think um, I went through their seven-month program, and a comp upon completion of that program, you know, I had to decide what I was going to do with my life. And, you know, I was working at the post office straight out of high school, so I had a wife, children to help to provide for, and I had no education, and I had no career direction. So what greater impact could I make than help the individuals that I had been through already? You know, so then that became my goal to become a substance abuse counselor um, to help the individuals that came behind me through this program. Mm. And since I had about one year clean, I've worked at Serenians for the past 10 years now. I hope you go back to that person that initially told you that you were hopeless and say, look at me now. If I could find him, I wish I could. <laughs> yes. Please, nobody tell another individual that they are hopeless. Give them hope. Be a hope dealer. Do not ever tell anybody that they are hopeless. Oh, my goodness. Chuck, let's, uh, let's hear how you used or took your skill set and offered that to Serenity Inns. Yeah, um, it's pretty simple. A really dear friend of mine is on the board, and he knew what I was doing in the schools, and I had had conversations with him. His name is Dave Ramoser. And we had had conversations about the fact that I had said I would like to work actually in prisons. I love to take the work that I do and do it in prisons or work with people in, in let's say, in the area of substance abuse. You know, people, as opposed to just working with corporate leaders, which I've been doing for a long time, or then migrating to school kids, I thought there was a real great need to take things that are the tools of life, the things that I know people need to develop and do it in in that other area. And he was, he said, look, I'm on the board of Serenity Inns. It's an alcohol and drug rehab center. And he introduced me to um, Ellen Bather. Is that? Blathers. Blathers. And we talked. I met Jason. And we then set up a series of workshops on Friday nights with the men. Mm -hmm. So we took them through the skills of, of, of communication. We talked about conflict resolution. We talked about how, how important attitude is over skill and knowledge. We talked about setting goals. And one of the things that I think is really important in the idea of when I ask people what is a goal, they talk about a target, you know, they talk about an objective, but what I want people to get is that a goal is a planned conflict with the status quo. A goal is something that has to move you from how it is, where you are, to where you want to be. And so we then talked about 
the tools in goal setting. How do, how do you do that? How do you how do you set up a goal, and then what are the fundamentals of working through that goal? But more importantly, I want them to understand that it's not just a target, that it is a planned conflict with how things are right now. Mm-hmm. And um, so being able to talk about goal setting, being able to talk about attitude and skill and knowledge and how those all play out, I've been doing with with literally adults and, and high school kids for years, but I've always had this idea in my head that I would love to work with people in those challenged areas, you know. And so I also work uh, with an organization in Milwaukee called Ruby MKE, which is a sex trafficking educational program, helping girls avoid getting in that, you know. And again, it's just so nice to work with young girls who are lost and help them move into a life of success. Mm. And again, you know, we talk about this idea of impact. And each of these three gentlemen have shared how they are impacting uh, not only the people that that they serve, but impacting the community as a whole. I mean, these are tomorrow's leaders, right? And so you're out there just pouring into these people and it's going to pay dividends, I'm sure. Before we break, Ken, maybe you can just give us a quick overview of why and how Serenity Inns got started. Um, of course. And so uh, Serenity Inns was started by five Lutheran congregations, and they were looking at the need in the neighborhood, in the community, um, individuals suffering with um, addiction and, and homelessness, and so they modeled the program after a program in Washington, D.C. called Samaritan Inns. And so they mentored Serenity Inns and um, started the program. And we actually had our first resident in the program the Monday after Easter um, in 2004. Oh, and so okay. we, we started um, residential uh, treatment at that time. And... In 2016, we actually purchased an alumni house for the guys that's completing treatment um, to have a safe environment to live in. Mm. And you're located where? We're located at 2825 West Brown Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Well, we know that addiction can destroy marriages. It It can destroy friendships and careers, and it can threaten a person's basic health and safety. Almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction, yet only 10% of them actually receive treatment. The result is a treatment gap of more than 20 million Americans. The Department of Health Services counted more than 1,500 drug overdose deaths in Wisconsin in 2020, and Milwaukee County reported 643 drug overdose deaths in 2021. So it's it's a serious problem, folks, and luckily there are organizations that are prioritizing solutions. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about what kinds of programs Serenity Inns offers and also how they encourage people to seek treatment. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and we're continuing our conversation today with Chuck Zamora from Zamora International Group, Ken Jinlak, and Jason Dobson from Serenity Inns. So before the break, I quoted that there's over 1,500 drug overdose deaths in Wisconsin in 2020 and 643 in 2021 just in Milwaukee County alone. So something's got to be done, right? What kind of services does Serenity Inns provide? So Serenity Inns is the only facility in Milwaukee that provides seven months of treatment. Um, Today, 30, 60 days is the most you can get at most facilities, but we're able to provide seven months of treatment. This gives uh, guys really a chance to get their lives back together. You know, because when you see a guy who's been using for 10, 15 years, you know, trying to break that addiction in 30, 60 days is a task. So, you know, the seven-month time gives them time to work through whatever issues they came to us with. And then, you know, we set them up for success even after treatment. So upon completion of the Serenians program, we have the Alumni House, which is actually named the Bueller Alumni House. That's named after Bill Bueller, a volunteer of ours who donates 40 hours a week of volunteer time to uh, re- did the whole building for us. Every apartment has been remodeled from top to bottom for our guys to move into. So when guys complete our program, they have a chance, you know, because prior to the alumni house, we were sending guys back to their old neighborhoods. Uh, they couldn't rent due to past convictions or drug convictions. So that was why we bought the alumni house, to provide ongoing continuum treatment in an environment that was safe for the guys. So they have the chance to live there for 18 months. So after the program's done, you know, we've spent a good two, two and a half years with the guys. So we develop, it's more of a family at Serenity Inn. They're not just a number, they're a name, a face, a family. How do you measure success then? So many people are driven by the metrics, um, you know, that they want to be able to, to share. And I think that is, that's important. I mean, you want to know that what you're doing is working, right? So how do you measure the success of these, these programs that you offer? I would just like to add to, you know, um, the trauma-informed care that we provide at Serenity Inns. And, and something we was able to incorporate in our assessment is the ACE, um, which is ad- Adverse Childhood Experiences. And so that's a part of our assessment today. And we look at how important it is of individuals that may have suffered trauma um, throughout childhood and how it's affecting them today. So looking at the whole, you know, taking a holistic approach um, when we're working with our guys, um, not just the substance use disorder, but also living skills and things that continue to haunt them. Um, and, and, and it was a guy that came to my office and he said, King, you know, I, I know why I use, I, you know, I was abused as a child. You know, we, we, we suffer from poverty, and, you know, I, I continue to use, and, and, you know, my dad was very abusive to me. And I said, you know, that's very unfortunate. I said, have you ever talked to your dad about that? Um, and he said, my dad's been dead for about four years. And I said, hmm, and he's still abusing you. Mm-hmm. And so looking at things like that of how to let go, right, and continue, you know, and heal from the trauma and some of the past events um, that may have taken place. And so 
as we look at individuals strive and it may not be a measure of success if somebody stopped using or relapse or or run out but also you know we look at planting that seed every individual is not going to stay in the program Uh, we have a very good outcome about 80 percent or a little over 80 percent of our guys continue on with the program and so we look at you know um those that go to the alumni house, graduate from the program, um, get a seek or find employment, um, and they're doing really well. They have cars and they they're, they're have bank accounts. And so just getting them um, on their way um, to be productive members of society. Mm. And 80% plus, that's, that's wonderful that um, uh, are successful after the program. But what I like or what I, what I hear you saying is you're developing these relationships with these men. You're not just working with them, you know, for a short time and then dumping them back off where they came from. You're, you've started to nurture this relationship, and I'm sure you've got people that reach out to you years and years later saying, you know, look, look at where I am now. Um, you made such an impact. You know, the story you shared before, uh, somebody came back to you and said, you don't have any idea, or maybe you do, you know, the impact that you had on my life. And I say all the time that, you know, it's, it, it is wonderful to bless someone, but it's wonderful when you can tell that person how they blessed you as well, mm-hmm. right? It's a two-way street, and it's wonderful to hear those, those stories of relationship. So we know that your programs are successful, which, which is great. Um, but if only 10% of 21 million Americans are actually receiving addiction treatment, there's, there's a treatment gap of more than 20 million Americans. That, that's a problem. That's a big, a big problem. Organizations are trying to help with various treatment plans, but getting people to participate in them is a big barrier to the solution. So how would you guys say individuals can encourage their loved ones to seek treatment? I think, you know, every family today knows somebody or has someone in their family that suffers from addiction or alcoholism. And, you know, Ken and I come from the disease model. You know, so if for a parent or a loved one, I encourage them to become educated about the addiction, alcoholism. That way you're not just attacking the person Mm -hmm. because they already know they're doing wrong. So we don't want to cause more harm. And telling them you should you should do this you should do that because we, we, right? yeah. we know right you know they yeah. know what to do right it's just you know they suffer with a disease that requires treatment so you know um, I'm always available for individuals to call me if they you know it's it's hard to say it's a case to case basis of how to help that individual get into treatment so I'm always available for someone to reach out to me and I can always help guide that individual to help a loved one to seek treatment if that's what they would like. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, for that family member or a person, you know, stand, being supportive, right? And it's a difference be- between enabling and supporting. Mm. And so learning to be supportive to say, hey, you know, I have a hot meal for you. Um, or you can come in and take a bath. Um, you know, I can watch your kids while you go out to treatment or go to classes. And so, you know, being supportive that way. Um, without enabling. And so learning the difference, right? How can I support you? And then going to that individual, and um, as Jason stated, they already know that something is wrong. They're they're not happy with the way things are going. And and so just going in and say, you know, how can I help you? 
what how can I support you um in this you know battle right and and so when we look at the disease of addiction um and as it progresses you know it, it it can be fatal and so the bottom line is that some individuals bottom is death and that's really unfortunate that's really unfortunate but that's the reality and so I, I'm not a big component of creating a bottom for an individual um, but being supportive as they um, seek and look for help mm, I think that is so important enabling versus supporting and again you do that through relationship building right Absolutely. yeah it's so key Again, we talk about how this show deals with tough topics at times, and we're not looking to sweep anything under the rug, but we're looking to highlight those individuals and those organizations that are looking for a solution to the problem. And I commend you both for diving in and and just getting very involved with this problem and offering a solution. You know, the, the nation's drug overdose epidemic continues to change, and it's becoming worse. You know, one one prevailing theme is the fact that the epidemic now is driven by illicit fentanyl. I read recently uh, a statistic that said border authorities seized more than 11,000 pounds of fentanyl in 2021, compared to over 4,700 pounds seized in 2020. And seizures of marijuana, cocaine, and heroin have generally been decreasing since 2018, which is a good thing. But no matter the drug, the bottom line is that there's an urgent need for action to increase access to evidence-based care for substance use disorders. We're going to take one last commercial break before we end our interview today, but stay tuned because when we return, you're going to hear some closing thoughts from our guests today. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm closing out the interview today with Chuck Zamora from Zamora International Group and Ken Ginlack and Jason Dobson from Serenity Inns. So we talked about a lot of really great things today. Um, we started out by talking about success and what I think is a great definition of what it means as defined by Ralph Waldo Emerson with the bottom line being, how do you want to make a difference and how do you want to impact the world? And then we met Chuck and we learned how he makes an impact not only with his classes and seminars in the education and professional space, but also how he offers his skill and talent to nonprofits, including Serenity Inns. And then we met Ken Ginlack and Jason Dobson from Serenity Inns, and we learned how they make an impact with the people that they serve. So I want to give each of you an opportunity to give some closing thoughts regarding all the great things that we talked about today. Um, Chuck, why don't you go first? Sure. Obviously, Jill, as we sit here today and do this interview, it becomes evident, listening to these two men, why I had to just jump in and be a part of what they're doing. Listening to them just confirmed everything that I believed of why I wanted to connect with these guys. And I and I think that they do a wonderful job, and I think that it is... It is not um, a short-term 
process. And I think that's wonderful that, that they're connected with these men for, for sometimes ever, you know. But I want to go back to Emerson's poem. And Emerson, in his very first line, said, to laugh often and much. Those are the opening lines on a poem that is all about success. And I ask people all the time, why do you think a guy who writes a poem all about success starts it with to laugh often and much? And I usually get comments like, well, you got to be able to laugh at yourself and yada, yada, yada. But I don't think that's it. I think that he started the poem with laugh often and much because he wanted to give all of us a clear understanding of the true definition of success, and that is to live a joy-filled life. Mm -hmm. And that's what these men are trying to help their, their um, constituents do, is move from addiction to a life that's filled with joy. And I and I and I'm so proud that I get to be able to work with them. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Jason Ken. So you know, um, one special aspect of our program that I wanted to reach out and let um, people know about is our dinner fellowship. So 365 days a week, a family group, church group, um, individuals bring dinner for the guys and sit down with them. This gives them a chance to see the struggles, addiction, face-to-face -face with it on a daily basis. So, you know, I encourage uh, individuals to reach out to us and experience this dinner fellowship that we offer because I've seen guests walk away, get so much more out of it than our guys do. Even though our guys get a lot of from the individuals who bring them dinners, the guests tell me that they got more out of it than our guys did. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the, the conversation to see the strength and courage of our individuals, they cry together, they laugh together. I mean, it's something that you can't explain unless you've actually sat there and experienced it yourself. Mm. So feel free to reach out to myself and sign up for a dinner fellowship. And, and how it, do people do that? They can look us up on the website. Okay. And reach out to uh, myself. And then there's a volunteer calendar that will say there will be open dates and then we'll put the individual into that open date. And what is the website? Uh, SerenityInns.org. Okay. And you have a Facebook page, too? Um, no, we're currently working on a Facebook okay, page. Okay, okay. So if uh, there's somebody out there looking to help in some way for this nonprofit, you can offer your technology skill and help them get their Facebook page up and running. And that, that's a great way to give back. And what Jason was just speaking of is how fulfilling it is to give back, how rewarding it is to give back. And so as I got into the recovery process or started my journey on, in recovery, I always feel more fulfilled when I give back. And so a lot of years I spent tearing down the community and I get an opportunity to build up the community and build up other men. And so that is my passion and my joy. Um, is it, helping others, and, and I do it all day, every day. Um, mm. My wife will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, that is rewarding to me. And so when I look for, 
my purpose and praying for my purpose while I was in treatment, um, it was revealed to me that giving back would be um, my greatest accomplishment. Mm. So well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Thank you. Well yeah. done. The highest yeah. aspiration the heart is helping another individual. Yes. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Well. So much great stuff shared today, and, and it was a pleasure talking with all three of you accomplished gentlemen. If the listening audience wants to reach out to any of you, can we give your contact information one more time? You can reach us at the website, serenityends.com. Also, Serenity Ends phone number is 414-873-5474. Okay. And Chuck, how would people... They can just go to Zamora Group International. If they type that in to, to a, a search bar, it'll take you straight to my website. As a matter of fact, I think if you just type in Chuck Zamora, Z-A-M-O-R-A, that'll probably take you right to my website. There you go. <laughs> and, and you'll be blessed to be able to talk with any of these gentlemen. So I want to thank all of you today, Chuck Zamora from the Zamora International Group. Ken Jinlack and Jason Dobson from Serenity Inns. Uh, thank you all for sharing all the ways that you're successful in life and especially in how you make a positive impact on others using your gifts and talents. Thank you for joining me today. Thank oh, you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show or if you have a nonprofit that you'd like to see highlighted on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people and organizations are being successful by making a difference for others. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I also encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, and you can also listen now on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So if you have an internet connection, you can get access to our shows. Decide how you'd like to define success for yourself. Maybe read Ralph Waldo Emerson's famous poem about success and decide if you want to make his words your words. If you make that example your standard of how to live a successful life, I think you'll be on the right track. It's a really great way to find different ways to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day. <music>